0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter one verses thirty-nine to fifty-six. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Raise your hand if you've heard of the musical Hamilton. Okay, a few of you. Uh, For those of you that aren't aware, it is a Broadway musical about the life of founding father Alexander Hamilton. And there is a song in that production where the lyrics talk about how the world is turned upside down, meaning that the American Revolution turned the world upside down. But when I hear that song, and when I hear them keep saying, the world turned upside down, the world turns upside down, I think of a much bigger event. I think of Christ's coming and how that turned the world upside down. And really, that is what Mary is talking about when she sings her song in the second part of this passage. So to recap though, in last week's message, we saw that the angel Gabriel announced to Mary that although she was a virgin, and it's impossible for virgins to have children, she is going to have a child, and that child is going to be the savior of the world, the long-awaited Messiah, and he tells, Mary that God has already done something similar for her relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth couldn't have children her entire life and now she was old and she couldn't possibly have children but now she's pregnant because nothing's impossible with God. And so the next thing Mary does is she runs to Elizabeth's house. Now this is uh, an 80 to 100 mile journey so it's a bit of a trek. But she's just got to see what God has done. And when she gets there, all she does is greet Elizabeth, and the unborn John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. Now, if you'll remember, John the Baptist's call was to be a prophet that will point to Jesus and will prepare the world for him. And even before he's born, right there, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's pointing to Jesus. He's in the room. And the Holy Spirit comes upon Elizabeth to tell her why her baby is leaping for joy. She shouts, she doesn't speak, she shouts blessing upon Mary and upon the child in her womb. And Elizabeth doesn't even feel worthy to have Mary under her roof because she's carrying the Lord. And she tells Mary that she is blessed for believing that God would do what he said he would do in her. And that's true. Mary was blessed for trusting God's word. And indeed, we also are blessed when we trust God's word, even when it means believing the seemingly impossible. And so the Holy Spirit speaks through Elizabeth to confirm what the angel Gabriel told Mary. And the magnitude of this is not lost on her. God has chosen her to play a major role in fulfilling his redemptive promises to his people. And so in those moments, what else can she do but sing praise to the Lord? And that's what she does. The first thing she rejoices in in her song is that God is her Savior. She rejoices in God her Savior. She's saying, God, be praised. I've got to lift him up. I'm exalting him as the Holy One because all of these things. She's exalting him because he has looked upon her lowliness, her humble estate. And the Mighty One has done great things for her. Now, who is Mary? She's an ordinary teen girl from a backwater town. She's not royalty. She's not rich. She's not powerful. Not exactly who you'd expect to be giving birth to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in that sense, she's almost like Cinderella. Cinderella was not the person that you'd expect to be at the prince's ball and certainly not the person that you would expect to catch the prince's eye. But in that story, she is. God chose Mary, unexpected Mary, not who you would expect to carry the Savior. This humble, undeserving girl, not some queen in a castle, he chose her to bear his son. And so already God is shaping things up. Already he's turning the world upside down. And by choosing Mary, he's really showing what Jesus' ministry is going to look like. Jesus is going to go to the lowly, the outcast, the poor, so that they might know him. So that they will see that though the whole world may not see them, God sees them and he knows them, and he wants them. And the same is true for you, if you've ever felt like an outcast. Mary calls God her savior here, and that's very true. God has been a savior to the nation of Israel since the beginning. He rescued them from slavery out of Egypt. He continued to deliver them from their oppressors, but now, He's going to save in the most fundamental and important way. He's going to save them from the power of sin in their lives that keeps them from him. Through Christ's death, he's going to tear down the walls that divide us and God because of that sin. God is bringing salvation to Mary, to Mary's people, and to the world through the child she bears ever have one of those moments you're just filled with joy that you got to sing? That's what's happening with Mary right now. And we can join in her song. Let us rejoice in God, our Savior. Now, we haven't been chosen to give birth to Christ. It was a one-time deal. But God has chosen to save us through Him. Daryl Bach writes... God owes us nothing. We who have trusted in Christ owe him everything. As the child leaped in Elizabeth's womb, so should our hearts leap inside us when we consider the many blessings of God that we experience. In many ways, we also find ourselves being of humble estate. We could think of it in terms of our own weaknesses, our struggles, financial hardships, our status in society. I mean, none of us are super influential over the government or the world. None of us are famous YouTube stars. Um, And none of us have like a million dollars just to throw around wherever we like. And so in that sense, we're of humble estate. But even more so, we're lowly in the fact that we are sinners, deserving of God's judgment. And yet... In the lowliness of our status, and especially in the loneliness of our sin, God looked upon us and called us. In his incredible love, mercy, and grace, he sent Jesus, born of Mary, to save us from our sins. Jesus lifted us up in our humble estate, rescued us so that we could dwell with him, forgiven forever. And so we can rejoice in God our Savior along with Mary. The other thing, too, is that Mary reminds us you don't have to have a lot of money or be powerful or have a college degree or be some super Christian for God to notice you, for God to love you, and for God to use you for his glory. The second thing Mary rejoices in is God's mercy and power. God's mercy is for those who fear him. And what it it means when we talk about fearing God, it means to revere him, to stand in awe of him, to adore him and worship him. Those who trust in Jesus receive the mercy of God through the cross of Christ. And God doesn't run out of mercy It continues from generation to generation to all who worship him. And God's mercy also includes his compassion to those in need and those of humble estate. Under human rule, the needy, the lowly, they usually face great hardship. The mighty tend to oppress the lowly could think of a middle school bully, a stronger one, you know, bullying someone weaker or seemingly weaker. We could think of someone swindling someone out of their money. We could think of harsh laws that are passed by governments. We could think of rulers who do harmful things to those who serve under them. And at this point in history, Israel is being oppressed by Rome, but also by some of the religious leaders who don't actually really know God. And at their time and ours, people turn up their noses at the poor, the mentally ill, the broken. But under God's rule, things are reversed. The world is turned upside down. New Testament scholar Leon Morris writes, In the ancient world, it was accepted that the rich would be well cared for. Poor people must expect to be hungry. That's nice. But Mary sings a song of a God who is not bound by what people do. He turns human attitudes and orders of society upside down. It's not the proud, the mighty, and the rich that God lifts up, but the poor, the hungry, and those of humble estate who look to him. And Mary rejoices that God acts on behalf of the weak and needy who turn to Him. And this is going to be part of Jesus' ministry. We read in Luke 4, Jesus says that He's fulfilling a prophecy, and He reads the prophecy The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so we too can rejoice in God's mercy and power. Do you feel broken this morning? Do you feel like a loser that no one will ever love? Do you feel like you've messed up so much that God wouldn't even want you? God loves you. God knows you. God sees you. And his mercy is sufficient to forgive you of any and all of your sins. Turn to him, trust in him, trust in his love. What's more, is that those who look to Christ in their financial hardships, physical illnesses, mental and emotional turmoil, grief and oppression, will find that he is there that he is with us through it all, and he does not leave us in our struggles. But if God turns the world upside down by lifting up the lowly, so should we. We should seek out ways God can use us to help those in need, both with physical and emotional provision, and especially with the gospel. We still live in a world With rampant injustice poverty illness hurt and pain we look forward to the day when jesus returns to eliminate all of that but until then we are called to be his people who look out for the needs as he does but how many times do we look down on people in bad situations How often do we become so wrapped up in our own bubble that we become blind to the needs right around us? As Christ followers, we can't do that. So ask yourself this morning, how can you bless someone in their needs over the coming days and months? Donating something extra to helping hands in this time where there's a high demand for food. Visiting someone who's lonely Maybe someone who doesn't have Christmas to celebrate with. Helping a single mom who needs a break. Advocating for someone who's struggling with their health care. Or welcoming someone who no one else would give the time of day to. The final thing Mary rejoices in is that God keeps his promises. Now, God made lots of promises to the people of Israel about the coming Messiah. But it had been a while. It had been hundreds of years. And there might have been people thinking, is this ever gonna happen? Or has God just failed us? But here we see that God does come through. He is true to his promises. He remembered his mercy and his compassion towards his people. And so Mary rejoices that in the birth of Christ, God is fulfilling the promises he made way back when to Abraham and to his descendants, the people of Israel. God is a God who neither forgets, nor goes back on his promises. And that's something we too can rejoice in. Life is tough. We go through challenges, some really intense challenges. There have be health issues, stress, job loss, grief. When life seems darkest, remember that God keeps his promises. We may not always see it with our eyes, but he does. As he did back then, so he will today. We can trust his word, and we can find comfort even in the midst of sorrow and suffering through him. Hold on to his promises. Pray his promises back to him, because he will not fail, he will not leave us, and so we can rejoice. This Advent season, we celebrate Christ's first coming, but we also look forward to his second coming, because Jesus has promised to return. And when he does, he will bring about a new heaven and a new earth, the completion of all God's promises, where we will be with him face to face And there will be no more pain, mourning, hardship, evil ever again. And it may not be here yet. And we may have been waiting for a while. But don't think for a second that God will not be true to his promise. As he was true to the promises of his first coming, he will be true to the promises of his second And friends, we can rejoice then that God is our savior. We can rejoice in God's mercy and power. And we can rejoice that God keeps his promises. Let's pray. Lord, we do rejoice in you. You are good and wonderful. We thank you that you are the God who turns the world upside down, who seeks out the lowly and the needy, who has seen us in our lowest state, and in our sin, and who has rescued us, and lifted us up, and and brought us to your side. Help us to extend love, and mercy, and grace to those around us, and particularly to those in need. In Jesus' name, amen.